0: Good everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 279. So today is Sunday, October 9th, 2022. And today's episode, I am covering the news and rumor stories that caught my eye for this past week. But first, I wanted to remind you that we're down to the last day before the giveaway ends. So make sure you get your entries in now. You can find the link to the contest in this episode of the show notes, as well as the last several episodes as well. AI doesn't do the past justice, says talented Civil War portrait colorizer. Photo restorer Adam A.B. Cannon, who sometimes spends up to a month enhancing American Civil War portraits, says that AI programs that colorize black and white photos do not account for real history. Cannon trawls through the digital archives of institutions such as the Library of Congress and the Smithsonian for high resolution public domain images that he can use as source material for his project, Alive the Civil War in Color. Canon tells Petapixel that he predominantly uses Photoshop to create his wonderfully detailed, vivid portraits of people who were born some 200 years ago. Quote, my process first starts by loading the huge files into Photoshop. Some single TIFF photo files can be as large as 1.5 gigabytes, he explains. Quote, these images in particular are more than 150 years old, so many have extensive damage. I begin by restoring and repairing any damage. This step alone can take me several hours. Cannon says that he diligently removes every single speck of dust individually. Quote, automatic filters can remove the dust particles in one fell swoop. However, sometimes they misinterpret facial features such as moles and birthmarks as dust and remove them, he says. Quote, I believe this would do the sitter a great injustice. I want to preserve their likeness as closely as possible. After adding dozens of layers to enhance and sharpen, Cannon is ready to add color to the image. However, he says that he obsesses over minute details to ensure historical accuracy. Quote, I consult often with my network of historians, uniform collection, uh, collectors and fashion experts for things like uniforms. There are often existing specimens I can reference for color. He explains, quote, for other details, such as the colors of dresses worn by unknown women. No color reference exists. I deliberate over the most likely and viable color for each piece of clothing. I learn new things every day. There are now artificially intelligent or AI programs that can colorize photos in an instant. However, Canon is a purist and says that these automatic tools do not do our past justice. Quote, these tools are tinged with bias and do not account for real history at all, he says defiantly. I believe the commitment and effort toward faithful uh, representation are meaningful and sets apart manual colorization from AI colorization, he adds. Since I'm manipulating a digital file, I'm not modifying the original in any way. So I see my colorizations as complements to the original rather than replacements. Canon will spend an eye watering 10 to 15 hours on each Civil War portrait. And that time can get even longer if there are several sitters or elaborate environmental details. The longest I've ever spent on a portrait was over a month to get everything to a point I felt was satisfactory, he adds. He tells Petapixel that a fascination with the Civil War stretching back to his childhood led him to colorize portraits from that era. Quote, I was particularly drawn to these portraits because of their clarity. I was able to gaze upon the faces of real people who lived over 150 years ago. It was a transformative experience for me, Cannon explains quote i realized that for some of these people these were the only photos that were ever taken of them i started seeing the sinners as more than figures frozen in the past they became people people who felt heard and saw the world just as vividly as we do now he says i immediately recognized an opportunity to apply my techniques to these photos to enhance their clarity and relatability even further through restoration and color And there is an accompanying video of his that you can watch in this article in the show notes. Canna has been colorizing and enhancing old photos for nearly a decade. He works with museums, historical societies and families to breathe fresh life into old photos. Quote, I've shared several images from this project online, some of which have been viewed over a humbling 30 million plus times. It's so fulfilling to know that people feel the sort of human connection with the past I hope to evoke in my work, he says. The ultimate goal for canon is to publish the images in a book and produce an accompanying documentary. Quote, I want to immerse viewers in the time leading up to the war, the war itself and the reconstruction era, all in color and immense clarity as if they are witnessing the scenes as if they were there. Some historians have spoken out against the colorizing and upscaling of old photos, calling it a nonsense. Cannon agrees that black and white photos do not need color to be enjoyed, but argues that the lack of hues forces us to view the past as a distant world. Our ancestors saw the world in vivid, real clarity, just as we do. However, their photographic techniques were simply not capable of capturing the critical dimension of color, he says. Now, thanks to digital photography and extensive research, we can peer back into time and see the world just as they saw it. Cannon hopes the color can make the past more relatable and accessible as he believes it gives the modern viewer more empathy for those who live in yesteryear. Quote, I think it's comforting to share that bit of human connection with real people who lived generations before he adds. More of Cannon's work can be found on his website, Instagram, and Facebook. All of those links can be found in this article in today's show notes. And I think this is a wonderful thing. I think it's a great thing that Cannon is doing. And I applaud him for spending all of these hours and months and weeks colorizing these old Civil War era portraits. I think it's a wonderful thing. And it does add an extra depth. And a little more relatability to the images to see these people in full color instead of in the old style black and white, which was the only technology that was available at the time. So I hope he continues his project. Photo of Surfer held down by Wave wins Ocean Photographer of the Year. The winners of the 2022 Ocean Photographer of the Year competition have been announced with a picture of a surfer held down by one of the world's heaviest waves taking the top prize. Ben Thouard, a photographer who lives in French Polynesia, captured the winning image of a brave surfer in Tahiti battling against one of the heaviest waves in the world. The wave is known as Theopo, or Place of Skulls. This is the unseen part of surfing, says Theard. I have so much respect for both the wave and the surfer. Surfing such a heavy wave is huge, is a huge challenge. A total of 9 categories were judged in the competition ranging from wildlife, fine art, conservation, hope and conservation impact, adventure, portfolio, young and human connection categories. A prize fund of more than 500,000 euros or 554,632 US dollars was available says the competition's organizers, Oceanographic. Photographer Catherine Liu's image of a blanket octopus taken by a, uh, taken on a Blackwater night dive in the Philippines won second prize by photographer Catherine Liu. Liu said she was having difficulties on the dive before taking the photo and hesitated before going deeper. Quote, luckily, my ears equalized and there before my eyes was this beautiful blanket octopus, explains Lou. We swam alongside her and then like magic, she opened up her blanket to show herself in all her glory. U.S.-based photographer Brooke Peterson took third place with a shot of a cor- uh, cormorant diving through a school of baitfish under an oil rig. There was a large school of bait fish under the platform for several weeks, and as a result, numerous other animals were there to feed off the bait fish. Sea lions, bonita, and cormorants, says Peterson. The the image depicts a cormorant hunting through a large bait ball. Some interesting images for sure. More than 5,000 candidates submitted photographs across all categories, an increase of about 2,000 on the number of entries from last year. Thuard's entry was unanimously voted the winner by the judging panel, which comprised six renowned photographers, including Paul Nicklin, David Dublet, and Christina Mittermeier. I guess I hope I pronounced that right. (laughs) If not, I apologize. A total of nine categories were judged in the competition, ranging from wildlife, fine art, conservation, hope, and conservation impact, adventure, portfolio, young, and human connection categories, as mentioned before. Winning works in the competition, which is produced by Oceanographic magazine, are now being displayed at a free exhibition in Tower Bridge in London until November 7th. And you definitely should check out this article in the show notes because there are some absolutely stunning images from this year's award so definitely recommend that you check those out for yourself some super talented photographers that were in that contest the winners of the 2022 weather photographer of the year competition A photo of monstrous waves battering a lighthouse has won the Royal Meteorological Society's Weather Photographer of the Year competition 2022. Christopher Eson's dramatic photo of Storm Eunice taken in the UK last year was judged to be the top photo from 22 shortlisted images, and Eson took home 500 euros or 560 U.S. Quote, when the storm was predicted, it was and it was carrying the first ever red warning for the south coast of England. I knew I had to find a spot and record it. This was going to be big, he says. Quote, I got there reasonably early to find many photographers already drenched in rain and seawater standing very close to the harbor wall. I decided to head to the high ground and slightly further away with my back to the weather. I was rewarded with a set of images I'm very proud of. The judges commented that they loved the power of nature in the photo, quote, reminding us of how small and insignificant we are as it conveys the dramatic movement and force of sea together with the resistance offered by a man-made building. Second and third place also received cash prizes. The winner of the mobile phone category also received 500 euros or 560 U.S. dollars, with the second place getting 250 euros or 280 U.S. dollars. The Weather Photographer of the Year competition is held each year by the Royal Meteorological Society, Armet S, based in the UK and is in association with AccuWeather. And again, there are some absolutely stunning images in this story in the show notes. Armet S is a charity that serves as the leading independent expert in weather and climate, while AccuWeather is a source of weather forecasts serving more than 1.5 billion people daily to help them plan their lives. More can be found on the competition's website, which you can find that link in this article in today's show notes. And last up from Petapixel, Juno captures the highest resolution close ups of Europa ever. Juno, NASA's space orbiter that recently completed a close flyby of Europa, has captured the highest ever resolution close up of a specific portion of the icy moon. This image shows a specific portion of Europa and reveals a detailed view of the moon's icy surface, which is covered in scratches and fractures. According to NASA, the image covers a uh, space of about 93 miles by 125 miles of the moon's surface and reveals the region crisscrossed with a network of grooves and double ridges. Quote, near the upper right of the image, as well as just to the right and below center, are dark stains possibly linked to something below erupting onto the surface. Below center and to the right is a surface feature that recalls a musical quarter note measuring 42 miles or 67 kilometers north-south by 23 miles, 37 kilometers east-west. The white dots in the image are signatures of penetrating high-energy particles from the severe radiation environment around the moon, the space agency says. The camera that captured the photos is called the Stellar Reference Unit, or SRU, which is designed for low-light conditions. It is a star camera typically used to orient the spacecraft, but was, in this case, used to obtain the black-and-white image above during Juno's close-quarter flyby of Europa on September 29th. That flyby brought Juno exceptionally close to Jupiter's ice moon at a distance of about 256 miles. The close flyby has yielded multiple new photos of Europa in addition to the high-resolution image above. Quote, with a resolution that ranges from 840 to 1,115 feet... 256 by 340 uh, to 340 meters per pixel, the image was captured as Juno raced past at about 15 miles per second or 24 kilometers per second over a part of the surface that was in nighttime, dimly lit by Jupiter's shine, sunlight reflecting off Jupiter's cloud tops, NASA says, quote, the image is unlocking an incredible level of detail in a region not previously imaged at such resolution and under such revealing illumination conditions, says Heidi Becker, the lead co-investigator for the SRU. Quote, the team's use of a Star Tracker camera for science is a great example of Juno's groundbreaking capabilities. These features are so intriguing, understanding how they formed and how they connect to Europa's history informs us about internal and external processes shaping the icy crust. Originally, Juno's mission was to investigate Jupiter, but its mission was extended and expanded to include three of the four Galilean satellites and the gas giant's rings. Europa is of particular interest to scientists because they strongly believe that below the thick, icy surface is a salty ocean that could harbor life. And it is an absolutely stunning close-up of Europa, And I highly recommend that you check it out for yourself in this article in today's show notes. And with that, I'm going to take a short break and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at com. You can find the show notes and links at com, And you can tweet the show at ATL using the Hashtag Liam photo podcast and now back to the show and we're back. And now I'm going to head over to each of the four major rumor sites and give you two stories from each site that I felt were intriguing for this week. So first we'll head on over to Canon rumors. DxO launches photo lab six with next level noise reduction and AI technology. DxO PhotoLab 6, the raw photo editing software, redefines industry standards for denoising with groundbreaking AI technology yet again. In addition to its brand new deep prime DX or XD, I'm sorry, denoising technology, this major new version introduces advanced color management featuring a vast working color space, powerful new retouching tools and refinements to its elegant library system. Paris, France, DxO Labs, the company which kickstarted modern raw processing and lens correction, today announced the immediate availability of DxO Photo Lab 6, its flagship raw image editing and workflow software. The latest version features DxO DeepPrime XD, and AI-powered raw conversion technology that pushes the boundaries for noise reduction and detail enhancement, a new color management system with an extended working color space, New retouching tools that redefine what photographers should expect from their software, and an upgraded library system that allows easy organization and quick access to images. Let's see. Experts have long rated DXO's Deep Prime technology as the world's most effective denoising and detailed enhancement tool. Now, DXO Photolab 6 introduces the new Deep Prime technology. XD, or extreme details, mode, which adds further quality to photographers' raw files, ideal for high ISO images. It removes noise, retrieves previously unseen details, and restores vibrant natural color. XD uses a neural network trained using billions of image samples and routinely gives photographers improvements of more than two and a half stops. For example, an image shot at 4,000 ISO will be more closely resembled to an image captured at 500 ISO in terms of noise, color, and clarity. And because it is fundamental to the raw conversion process, D Prime XD can even increase dynamic range, providing photographers with greater flexibility when shooting in low-light situations. The original D Prime mode is also still on board for faster enhancements, or for images that simply need less adjustment. Quote, we were thrilled by the response to Deep prime and DxO Photo Lab 5, but we knew we could do more, explains DxO's VP of Marketing and Product Strategy, Jean-Marc Alexia. Quote, the new Deep prime XD has been a year in development, and the AI has literally been teaching itself how to do its job better. The results speak for themselves. DxO PhotoLab 6 introduces re-engineered color processing algorithms that push the boundaries of color management and a new extended working color space. These are accompanied by a soft proofing mode to ensure accuracy throughout the entire workflow, allowing photographers to make adjustments according to how their photographs will be reproduced for display, whether it's on a high-definition screen or as a fine art print. The upgrades allow authentic reproduction for even the most saturated colors and ensure that photographers can harness the full potential of the latest monitors and printers. DXO Photolab 6 adds the new retouch tool that extends the capability of healing and cloning well beyond that of other raw processing software. Photographers can now transform the source through mirroring, rotating, and scaling, or use brushes to fine tune the area they're editing into a more accurate shape. The new tool ensures fewer trips outside of DxO PhotoLab for complex cloning and healing tasks and speeds up workflow while ensuring the editing never moves away from the original raw file and therefore remains non-destructive. Building on a simple but powerful photo library system, DxO PhotoLab 6 extends its range of EXIF and IPTC tags, adds nesting for projects, and introduces Color labels for easier organization and management of files, all without clumsy, time consuming catalogs. Core to DXO Photolab 6 are DXO's pioneering optics modules. Almost 20 years ago, DXO patented the concept of lens correction. And since then, the analysis performed in its purpose built laboratory have set the standards for the digital photo editing industry. The quality and precision of DxO's optics modules remain unmatched by its competitors, partly because lenses and cameras are tested in combination, giving photographers profiles that are tailored specifically to their equipment. With all the latest modules automatically downloaded to DxO PhotoLab 6, you'll be assured of the best quality results every time. The Essential and Elite Editions of DXO Photolab 6, Windows, and Mac OS are available to download now from the DXO website at the following prices. The Essentials Edition is $139 and the Elite Edition is $219. Owners of DXO Photolab 4 or 5 can take advantage of a special upgrade price. You can get the Essentials upgrade at $75 and the Elite upgrade at $99. To upgrade, customers should log into their customer account and go to the upgrade option. DXO Photo Lab does not require a subscription. The essential version can be installed on up to two computers, and the elite version can be installed on up to three. All right, now that sounds like some really exciting news. I have used DxO PhotoLab software for a while now. I do have the Elite Edition. I have had the Elite Edition since version 3, so I've had 3, 4, and 5 now, and I have been impressed with the software. Now, it is not always my primary editing tool. I do frequently use Capture One more than I use DxO PhotoLab, but I do like their software, and they do have some fantastic capabilities in their software, so I encourage you to check it out. They do have a free 30-day trial, so you can try it before you actually buy it. Canon to build new semiconductor lithography manufacturing facility. Tokyo, October 6, 2022, Canon Inc. announced today that the company will install new manufacturing facilities at its uh, USOMIA office, which produces semiconductor lithography systems and other devices. The new facilities are scheduled to commence operation in the first half of 2025. The Canon Group, under Phase 6 of its excellent Global Corporation Plan series of five-year management plans, Uh, aims to accelerate our corporate portfolio transformation by improving productivity and creating new businesses. As part of these efforts, Canon is working to expand its semiconductor lithography system businesses, one of the company's primary strategic strategic businesses. The semiconductor market is expected to see continued growth amid the transition towards smart society, led by such advancements as the Internet of Things and 5G wireless. Canon is working to strengthen its position in the fields of products and business and support while aiming to increase its market share of semiconductor lithography systems. Going forward, Canon is responding to forecasted growth in demand in the mid and long term by strengthening its manufacturing capabilities through the installation of new facilities at the company's main office. Outline of new facilities, Canon Inc., Utsamea, Uh, Optical products plant, new factory, provisional name. Uh, Let's see. Area approximately 70,000 square meters. I think that's what it is. Capital investment approximately 38 billion yen for construction costs. Construction start second half of 2023. Commencement of operation first half of 2025. Scope of business, R&D, manufacture and services related to semiconductor lithography systems. So. It looks like Canon is definitely going all in on semiconductor manufacturing, and good for them. I don't blame them at all, especially with the semiconductor shortages we had as a result of the recent issues throughout the world. From Nikon Rumors, Z9 now in stock at b for the first time. The Nikon Z9 camera is now in stock at B&H for the first time since the announcement update, all sold out. But we now also know that B&H doesn't have a waiting list anymore. The Nikon Z9 mirrorless camera can be bought for $5,496.95 at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon, Paul's Photo, Service Photo, Calumet NL, Calumet DE, Photo Earnheart DE, Photocot DE, Wex UK, and in Canada at Canna, Camera Canada. The next Nikor Z35S line lens will be f1.2 plus new drawings of upcoming lenses. I received a tip confirming that the next Nikor Z35 millimeter S line lens that was recently added to the roadmap will be an f1.2. You can also kind of guess that by the size and shape of the lens drawing that was recently uploaded to the Nikon USA website, see screenshot above, here is a mock-up of the Nikkor Z35 F1.2 S lens. The upcoming Nikkor Z85 S-line lens is also rumored to be F1.2, and you can see the patent. Nikon already has the Nikkor Z50mm F1.2 S-line lens. I am not 100% sure yet, but the Nikkor Z135S line will most likely be an F1.8. Here is the new diagram recently published by Nikon. You can clearly see how Nikon is trying to create two different lines of Z prime lenses, F1.2 and one8 The popular for the F mount 1.4 is no longer considered for now. Here are the latest drawings of all the upcoming lenses, and you can click the image for a larger view. And, of course, you can find that in this week's show notes episode uh, episode show notes. And now over to Fuji rumors on one photo Raw Twenty twenty three coming October 10th. Most significant upgrade ever. The new On1 Photo Raw 2023 will be officially released on October 10th, which is tomorrow. This is the most significant upgrade to On1 Photo Raw ever. For price, full features, and demos, check out this page with the image they they show being from the Dolomites in Italy, South Tyrol, which is my home. New technologies in PhotoRAW 2023 will change how people edit their photos. There are so many time-saving tools in this release. No more tedious methods of masking, layering, brushing, or adjusting when working on specific areas of photos. Quote, the introduction of AI-powered semantic masking to the on-one PhotoRAW workflow will change your approach to editing photos. New tools like Super Select AI, Mask AI, and AI Adaptive Presets will save you an enormous amount of time and put the joy back into editing your photos. Using AI models removes many of the difficulties of traditional editing without taking away the creative flexibility photographers want. These new tools will enhance the creative eye we all have, and it's going to be so much fun to edit photos and achieve the results you envision in a fraction of the time it used to take. I couldn't be more excited about getting this version into your hands, says uh, Craig Kudell on one president. Here are the key features in version 2023. Super Select AI tool, Mask AI, AI-powered adaptive presets, Quick Mask AI, Tack Sharp AI, Keyword AI, Content-Aware Crop, Full-screen preview of presets, Enhanced Sky we- uh, Swap AI, auto color fringe reduction, new cameras, and lenses. And you can pre-order from this link in the article in the show notes. And they do have several YouTube videos from their official channel that you can check out for yourself. Leaked internal Fujifilm document shows name of new new camera remote X-app. I have received an internal and confidential document about the Fujifilm X-H2 and X-H2S. It shows the list of specs that are known to us, but towards the bottom, you can read new remote X app. This confirms our previous rumor about the fact the new camera remote app would be called X app. At least that's Fuji's plan at this point in time. I explained already why the fact that it will get an all new name is also an indication that it is a totally rewritten app. When will it come? I don't know. Certainly, the fact that it is circulating in internal documents means that Fujifilm is at an advanced stage regarding its development. My hope is that they will at least announce it during the Fujifilm X-T5 launch very soon, but that's not a rumor at all, just mere speculation. And my speculations are just as valid as any of yours. Only when sources tell me something, we will have something more solid. So keep that in mind. And it does sound exciting. I hope the new Fujifilm remote app will be a significant improvement over the current one, which I am not a huge fan of, as you've heard me talk about on the show numerous times. And now over to Sony Alpha rumors. New Tokina 11 to 18 millimeter reviews by Sony Alpha blog and Christopher Agnostopoulos. Sony Alpha blog tested the lens and concluded, quote, the Takina 11-18 f2.8 ATX-M is a very good wide-angle zoom for your Sony APS-C camera. It will be ideal for landscape architecture, but can also be used for astrophotography. Its build quality is good. The lens is light and quite compact. AF is good. Optical performances are excellent in the center at 11mm, but only good at 18mm. Uh, Okay. Uh, Results are very good at all focal lengths on the entire field as of F5.6. Distortion and vignetting at 11 millimeter should be slightly corrected, but nothing serious. Coma is a bit visible at F2.8, but gone at F4. Color rendition and level of CA are also very good. Resistance to flare is okay, but not very good. And Christoph says... Uh, Quote, a versatile ultra wide angle lens that can be used in many shooting scenarios with excellent optical quality that comes in a compact size form. The price tag makes it even more appealing, ideal for travel and real estate photographers. And this lens is now in stock and you can get it for five hundred and ninety nine dollars if you're so inclined. And last up for this week, for German and EU readers, big savings on Sigma, Tamron, Laowa, Tokina, E-mount lenses. Two new weekend deals, save big on ton of third-party lenses sold by Photo Earnhardt. Click here to see the super long list. You can save 150 euro on the Sigma 28-70 FE lens sold by Photo Koch. Click here. All deals run for this weekend only. So today would be the last day. If you want to pull the trigger and bust out your wallet and that wraps up this episode, To join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 279 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also, I to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And remember, you only have one more day after today to get your entries into the contest for the Go Groove Camera Backpack giveaway. I will be announcing the winner on Thursday's episode, and I will see you all then.